I think Foles is like one of those middle of the pack guys. They're Tyrod Taylor types who will just keep you in games. Um, I think you got a little inflation from that Super Bowl performance, but you know, Nick Foles, the, the, the legion of Nick Foles will be alive and well for many years to come. This is a very competitive division though, because the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens, the Bengals basically the only team in this division that doesn't have a playoff shot. So I mean, this AFC wildcard is starting to heat up. This defense isn't doing what it's supposed to do. And then you're allowing these great accurate quarterbacks like Breeze and Brady to dink and dunk their way down the field. It just doesn't work. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shree. And we had a great week five in the NFL, some crazy matchups. We'll be going over exactly what happened and some, again, crazy matchups, some crazy injuries. Le'Veon Bell just got released, so we'll be talking about that as well. Be doing our usual two-minute drill and be doing a week six preview of the NFL. Some even better matchups in week six, but let's go ahead and start out with what was the first game of the week on Thursday night. Uh, Buccaneers versus Bears, Buccaneers 20, or sorry, Buccaneers 19, Bears 20. Bears ended up taking this one, and yeah, it was one really, really close game until the very end, and Nick Foles ended up coming through. There's always some theatrics when Brady and Foles are involved. Um, There's a lot of controversy, too, with, I think, people thinking Brady forgot what down it was in that last sequence before the game ended. Um, Bruce Arian said he didn't forget, but I think that's BS. I I think Brady kind of forgot that it was third. It, it was clear from the way he said it that he clearly forgot. Right. right? It's just like right. he, he put up number four and he was like looking around and maybe just Khalil Mack had him rattled. I just, you, you never know. But I mean, yeah, it's it's very clear to me that he, he, he knew what, or he didn't know what down it was. I'm sorry. And so big mistake by the Buccaneers, but the Bears are four and one at this point, which is crazy. I think they're the they're like the fraud four and one team. Like it doesn't feel like they are a four one team. Like you feel like even the Dolphins could beat them on any day. You feel like even the Jaguars could challenge them. But yeah, here they are challenging the Packers for the division right now. I know it's absolutely insane, and I mean there's nothing else to talk about with the Buccaneers because it's just like it feels like they're still figuring some stuff out. They need all their players back. They didn't have Leonard Fournette. They didn't have, uh, they had Mike Evans, but he was kind of injured in the previous week's matchup against the Chargers. They didn't have Chris Godwin. So it's just a really bad look for the Buccaneers, but this Bears defense seems to be really, really solid, right? Yeah, I mean, Khalil Mack is having like his usual good year, but it's the other guys like Akeem Hicks and players like that who are really stepping up and, you know, helping this Bears team look a lot better record-wise than I think they are. Uh, I think they're winning in spite of their offense and not because of their offense. So, well, it, it remains to be seen. Like, well, I, I think the Bears will be somewhat like a 9-7 and seven team and not this pace that they're on right now. I mean, we'll see what happens. There's still a lot of football to be played, but right now they're record-wise one of the best teams in the NFL. And last week you said that you didn't believe in, in Foles and you said they had a quarterback problem. I disagree with that. I stand by my statement. I love Nick Foles and I think he's going to lead this Bears team to victory. I think it's it's an easy alternative to love Nick Foles when your other option is Mitch Trubisky. Um, I think Foles is like one of those middle-of-the-pack guys. They're Tyrod Taylor types who will just keep you in games. Um, I think you got a little inflation from that Super Bowl performance, but you know Nick Foles, the, the, the legion of Nick Foles will be alive and well for many years to come. I don't believe that Nick Foles is anywhere in the league of Tyrod Taylor. This is no insult to Tyrod Taylor. I just believe that Nick Foles is supremely better 
than Tyrod Taylor, but yeah. Yeah, let's let's move on from the Bears because I don't want to. I don't want this to become a little Nick Foles praise session or a Tyrod Taylor roast session. We don't need any of that for either of these two players. Let's talk Jaguars Texans, and this is the Texans' first win. They won thirty to fourteen. First win since the playoffs last year. So, I. I think the Texans are a better team than what their record is. They're kind of like inverse bears for me. Like, I don't think they are a one in four team, but here they are struggling. Bill O'Brien got fired, which we went into great detail on in a previous episode. So we're both happy about that. Um, happy for De- Deshaun Watson. Like, I feel like he's finally going to have the chance to work with coaches who, who reward him for what he is and not give him like a plastic offensive line to work with. I mean, I think the offensive line is still pretty shabby, but... They weren't playing the greatest Jaguars team, let's be honest, and Gardner Minshew didn't have his greatest game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think still for the Jaguars, there's a lot to look forward to. Robinson's been looking really good. Chark's been playing well. You have Chenault, who's been a really good rookie for them. And so on the offensive side of the ball, they have the pieces to me, it seems like, and they have Keelan Cole Sr. It's just that the execution is not always there week to week. Right, and we saw how mm-hmm. bad they looked against the Dolphins and even this week against the Texans, who don't have a very good defense. And the Texans have probably the worst run defense in the league, and Robinson didn't have like a 200-yard game that I thought he would. Right, so mm-hmm. I just don't think... I think the Jaguars' problem is right now the defense and also maybe even the offensive coaching. Because I think Gardner Minshew's potential is maybe being wasted, but he still has a lot to develop. But with regards to the Texans, I mean, it doesn't seem like it'll be a good season for them. I think, honestly, they should just play how they're playing. I don't think they should necessarily tank. I think they will have a pretty low draft pick, or pretty high draft pick. Sorry, they'll be one of the worst teams. And then hopefully they, hopefully they can get a good coach. Maybe Eric Bieniemy, as I talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And they can have a good offensive tackle that they draft early. Maybe they get some weapons from free agency. I don't know about that because their payroll is the highest in the league, which, again, is crazy. But... Yeah, well, we'll see what the future of this Texans franchise is, but it does not look great. Yeah, I mean, okay, one interesting thing for the Texans would be if they do end up finishing with, like, a bottom two, bottom three record, trade away the pick, right? Because there's a lot of teams that are, you know, like the the tanking for Trevor. I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence, the, the Clemson quarterback who's just an absolute stud. They could do that and get someone who can actually help Watson in the offense, whether it's a receiver, um, a tackle, a guard, just anything to give him a little more comfort in a new offense with transitioning to a new head coach. I feel like that could be something they could do. Definitely. Again, it just really depends on how well they play out. I think they would have won this game with or without Bill O'Brien, personally, and Braden Cooks had a great game, which is bad for me because I drafted him and dropped him in fantasy. I think I'm I'm the, the best person in drafting players, and I just keep on dropping them. I drafted Justin Jefferson. I drafted Chase Claypool. Uh, I drafted... Brandon Cooks. I drafted all these players. They didn't work out. I dropped them, and they just end up going off right after I dropped them. So, if you need fantasy advice on who to draft, come to me. But not who to play, not who to keep. But, we'll get to we'll get to Chase Claypool later. But next game, we have the Lamar Jackson led Baltimore Ravens twenty seven, and the Joe Burrow Mister I like to win on Twitter, and his Bengals three. So, I know the score is indicative of a blowout but i didn't think the ravens offense looked all too comfortable and this is something i've noticed since they played the chiefs like they just it feels like they're struggling a lot more this season to score points like even with one year of all these like dynamic young young playmakers in the baltimore offense like it just feels like they're they're grinding a little more on offense 
Lamar is not as accurate as you know we were accustomed to seeing accustomed to seeing him last year and something just feels off like and they're still a really good team they're like one of the top four teams I'm sure in the league but they're it, it does something doesn't seem right yeah and the Ravens have some of the best weapons in the NFL we talked about how good their offense is right when the draft finished because they ended up getting two really good players in the draft Devin Duvernay from Texas who does not drop a ball and he had a huge touchdown return on a kickoff, he had a nice run off a jet sweep last week against the Bengals. And J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, who's one of the most explosive backs right now in the league, and he was one of the most explosive players in college. And they have Mark Andrews, the ephemeral, always open tight end from Oklahoma, and his fellow Sooner, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who seems to be the fastest player in the league, bar John Ross. And they also have Willie Sneed. And it's just the Ravens have so many good players, and they have a pretty good offensive line too. And they can run the ball. They can gash at you. Lamar Jackson can run the ball. And it's just, in, in my mind, you have Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who's so fast and so good. And he was utilized so much in Oklahoma. And I talked about this last week, too. But again, they're just misutilizing it. He's not getting that many deep throws. If I was them, I would just play action after running hard for a few plays in a row and just get Brown over the top and throw him a deep ball. It's easy touchdown every single time. I know it's, it's easy to say for me sitting in this chair not being an actual NFL head coach or offensive coordinator, but it seems pretty straightforward. You have all these weapons, but I mean, at least Mark Andrews is coming up clutch for them and being a really reliable target for Lamar Jackson. But I mean, we'll see. But, you know, speaking of offensive lines, well, the Ravens might have a good one. The Bengals just don't have an offensive line. We saw that's the reason why they only scored three points. And Mm -hmm. it's because that Baltimore defense was just too stifling for the offensive line of the Bengals. And I feel bad for Joe Burrow. I think, will he survive until next season? That's a question we legitimately have to start asking. No, and we also have to give credit to Baltimore's defense with Marlon Humphrey really making a case for defensive player of the year. And this is just early season five games, but you know he's been rewarded with his contract extension and he played really well. He forced that fumble that Patrick Queen eventually ended up taking to the end zone which is just awesome to see because you have one of your franchise guys and one of your your draft picks who I think Patrick Queen is panning out great for them. Like, I think he's going to be one of their their foundational pieces moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, as for the Bengals, I'm still waiting for an A.J. Green sighting. Like, I are we, are we at that point where we should just talk about him as a has-been? Or do you think there's just any more left in the tank for him? It seemed like coming into the season, it was going to be good. And he had a good quarterback finally. Not to say Andy Dalton was bad, but he recovered from his injury and it was going to be good. But mm-hmm. it seems like T. Higgins is right now the better receiver of A.J. Green and, and T. Higgins. And so he looks lost out there. He, Joe Burrow threw a pick, but he just A.J. Green didn't do anything when Joe Burrow threw that ball. And it was a bad ball by Burrow, but you know, A.J. Green has to do something, right? We, we've seen Julio Jones basically play defense sometimes when Matt Ryan throws an almost pick and swats the ball down. We need A.J. Green to do that too. And at one point, A.J. Green was considered a borderline top three, easy top five receiver in the league. And now it doesn't seem like he's anywhere near that level. And so it's just really, really puzzling and confusing. And I feel bad for Joe Burrow because people were like, oh, yeah, you know, he has at least one reliable target in A.J. Green. That's good. And he has T. Higgins. And once he develops, will be good. He has two solid wide receivers. They have Mixon on the running side with Bernard. And, you know, their weapons aren't the greatest, but they're solid at least. But it seems mm-hmm. like A.J. Green is far from solid. Speaking of Julio Jones, the Panthers 0 and 5. That's the Panthers. The Falcons 0 and 5. Panthers beating the Falcons 23 to 16. Falcons firing Dan Quinn. Teddy Bridgewater looks great without Christian McCaffrey and the person who's leading 
the NFC South in receiving yards is not Mike Evans, is not Chris Godwin, is not Julio Jones, is not uh, uh, Calvin Ridley. It's instead Robbie Anderson of the Carolina Panthers, which seems crazy, but it's true. Um, I bet on the Falcons again this week, and I'm not, I'm not actually betting on the Falcons. I just in our little pick'em thing, I picked them to beat the Panthers. I'm not picking the Falcons ever again. I can't. I can't do it. Like I put my faith in them too many times to be disappointed. Firing Dan Quinn was the best thing they did all week. So, props to the owners. Props to the the front office for figuring that out. And Dan Quinn had some good years with the Falcons. Like they did make a Super Bowl. Yes, they lost a 28-3 lead in that said Super Bowl, but still all in all, I would say he his players loved him. He had a decent tenure. He just couldn't coach in the biggest moments in the brightest lights. And that is Something that, you know, when you're a team that has the talent that they they have, they are offensively loaded. And Todd Gurley's looked really, really good this season. They they shouldn't be as bad as they are. Yeah, I think their defense is really young, and that's why they've lost a lot of those leads this year. was because they built it up with their good offense, but then just stagnation and bad play calling. And mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball, it's just their defense cannot stop anything. They might have gotten lucky in the first half. That Cowboys game and even... Uh, what other lead did they lose? They lost a bunch of leads, they, so it's really um, hard to keep track. It was, it was the Cowboys. It was... Oh they, lo- they were losing the entire time against the Packers, so it's not like they were up there. Wait, I'm uh, going to quickly look this up, because otherwise it's going to bother me. They, yeah, but, they lost to the Cowboys. They also lost to the Bears. That was bad. The Bears, yeah. That was the lead the that Bears they had. Yeah, and like the, Nick Foles looked like MVP Nick Foles. Like, he, he looked like he was playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl when he was playing that Falcons defense. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, man, it was just real bad. Uh, it was it was really, really surprising for them to see, for for, for them to fire Dan Quinn this late. I thought they were going to fire him when they were 0-3, but I guess they wanted to give him a little bit more of a leash. But, you know, Atlanta, Atlanta fans, I feel bad for you guys. But at least Dan Quinn's gone now, and you guys can hopefully restart, rebuild. The big question right now is Matty Ice's contract. He has a lot of guaranteed money coming up, and, do you ship him off? There's talks of him potentially going to maybe Indianapolis or so a lot of other places because Philip Rivers is not looking good right now for the Colts. Does every washed-up quarterback just go to Indy to resurrect their career? I guess at this point. But, I mean, that was just something Pat Matthews was saying. I don't think that's going to be true. There's some other potential landing spots, but we'll see. But the most surprising result of the week by far, yes, and congratulations, Shri, for, for picking this one right. Uh, Raiders 40, Chiefs 32. I don't understand. I mean, I, I watched the game, so I do understand, but I still don't understand how the Raiders came away with this. Well, let me put into context how crazy this one was. The Chiefs' last loss was November 10th, 2019. That's 13 straight games that they've won. The Raiders and the Chiefs were tied 24-24, and we all know Kansas City makes their money destroying teams in the third quarter of games. And as an Oakland Raider fan, we always lose the third quarter, whether it's the Chiefs, whether it's the Bills, whether it's any team, we just don't bring it in the third quarter, which I think is the most important swing quarter in a football game. But the Oakland defense came to play. They picked Mahomes in this game. Carr with rugs healthy is just a different quarterback. Like there's, I don't know the exact numbers, but there was some stat that was talking about Carr's deep ball percentage and how often he would look downfield to throw. And in both games, Ruggs was playing this year. The percentage was like 8% higher. Which means we've seen Carr with speedy receivers in the past, like Crabtree, Cooper. We know he can go deep. It's just 
without weapons, he's just checked down Charlie and become kind of a meme for that. But this season, Carr is something like 13 touchdowns, one interception on the season. This is a very fringe MVP type season from Carr we're seeing. And the Raiders defense really picked it up in the, the second half. So I, I I was impressed all in all, you know, Max Crosby, Jeff Heath had the interception and there was there was an energy I I haven't seen the Raiders have playing at Kansas City in a long time. I think it does help that Kansas City's entire fan base was not packed into Arrowhead Stadium. I, I think the weather was also favorable. You don't usually see a lot of bad weather games in early October in Kansas City compared to in December where when for some reason the Chargers always go to Kansas City in December and it's cold as hell and everyone's just suffering except the Kansas City guys because they're used to it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, credit John Gruden, credit the defensive game plan, an extremely good defensive matchup and defensive game from the Raiders to make sure that they were able to limit Patrick Mahomes. And shout out to Nelson Aguilar. Apparently Nelson Aguilar has a perfect passer rating when being targeted this season. No uh, drops, what? dude. No yeah, drops. Crazy considering he was on the Eagles before this. But congratulations to the, the Raiders for being the Chiefs. Congratulations to you, Shree, for beating the Chiefs and for picking that correctly in our pick We were tied this week 10-4. and four. A team on by the Packers were on by and also that game the Broncos Patriots game got postponed so only 14 matchups so tie 10 and 4 good for you uh, a matchup we both predicted right and that seemed like an easy win but wasn't the easiest of wins Cardinals 30 Jets 10 the Jets looked terrible and Joe Flacco was quarterback because Sam Darnold is now injured there's two storylines from this that are just beyond the game one is the Le'Veon Bell situation being released by the Jets and two is Chandler Jones is out for the year now for the Cardinals and he hasn't been talked about the way he should be like I think in the last four seasons he's led the NFL in sacks like since 2016 yeah cumulative since 2016 he's led the league in sacks so this guy's an all pro just as recently as last season so I think it's a big loss for the Cards defense um whatever chance they had at a wild card spot is just a little bit slimmer because of that so I I like, good win, congrats, but I think there's just more to talk about other than what happened in the game. And I know you have some thoughts on Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it's just, I mean, my thoughts are this. It's like, if you're the Jets owner or the Jets GM and you're talking about Adam Gase specifically, Adam Gase, we know, did not necessarily want Le'Veon Bell there. That trade was done and that signing was done before he came there. And we know how little he utilized Le'Veon Bell in his time there. So, them releasing Le'Veon Bell means that they couldn't find any potential trade suitors for him. Even like a fourth round pick, a third round pick is better than nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're literally getting nothing by releasing him. So the question that Jets fans have to ask now is who's in charge of this Jets team? Is it the GM and owner saying essentially, yeah, you know, we're going to fire Adam Gase at the end of this year and we're just going to clean shop and get rid of everybody. Maybe even Darnold will, will get traded away or something might happen to Darnold. You never know. Right or mm-hmm. is this a uh, Adam Gase is in control of the Jets? We're handing him the reins. We're giving him two more years. A lot of our players are injured and whatever because you you traded away two of the NFL's best players, Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell, right? And so you have to ask that question: Who's in charge of the Jets right now? And the answer that we all don't know is that per- is the person who's in charge of the Jets. We don't know. It could be Adam Gase, and if it is Adam Gase, spells worry to Jets fans, and it's absolutely crazy. That, that Le'Veon Bell, Bell, Bell got released for nothing. And I'm interested to see where he'll go. People are saying the Patriots. People are saying the Raiders, potentially, maybe even the Buccaneers. 
I don't get the Buccaneers. I think people are just saying that because the Buccaneers are just like the place to go if you're a free agent, apparently. But they already have Leonard Fournette. They already have Ronald Jones. I don't understand what loving on Bell would do to that team. The Raiders, they have Josh Jacobs. Uh, they have Jalen Richard. So I think even adding Le'Veon Bell would be good. But Richard kind of, he doesn't play like Le'Veon Bell because no one plays like Le'Veon Bell. But he's a smaller, shiftier guy. Whereas Josh Jacobs is more of a down, down the field head down, sort of ground and pound type of running back. So we'll see. The Patriots could definitely use him, I think. Would be great seeing Cam Newton, Le'Veon Bell. So a lot of potential options. Whoever gets him is going to be really lucky. What do you think about Le'Veon on the Chargers? I would really objectively, like that. Just objectively. I'm not just asking that. But I would really like that, but I think we have a lot of running back depth. Austin Eckler's already on the bike thing. You know this this bike where you like you sit like like you're sitting in a chair and like the pedals are here and you're going like that. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing that bike already. So Austin Eckler looks like he might come back two weeks from now. So we have a bye week, the Chargers this week. He might come back like a few weeks. He was like, he's on the injured reserve, but that's only a three week list now. Right. I think if it was the regular thing where it was like, you're out for a long time, he wouldn't be on that because his injury looks serious, but he seems to be recovering quite well. And seeing him on Twitch, he, he's talking about how he feels a lot better. And we have Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, and the Chargers played two of the best run defenses in the league, the Buccaneers and the Saints. So it's like our running, our run, our running numbers don't look the best, but because we played two of the best defenses, right? So I think we're kind of stacked already in terms of running back. I don't feel like, I mean, I, I tweeted, I, we won't levy on Bell, but I don't think it would be the best fit because if Eckler comes back and you have Le'Veon Bell and you have Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, it's just like too much, you know? Mm-hmm. There's well, a lot of teams that can use him. I think he's going to end up just signing with a contender because at this point, like, Le'Veon's career thus far has been pretty incredible in terms of his raw statistical output, but he hasn't had that like deep, deep playoff run. Like the the Steelers always went like one, maybe two games, but I, he hasn't made a Super Bowl yet, has he? No, he's not. And people are talking potentially that he might sign with the Steelers again, so we'll see about that. That should be fun. That would add a wrinkle to the Steelers' offense that already looks pretty good. And we'll talk about them next as they beat the Eagles thirty eight twenty nine. Um, Chase Claypool had one of the best days for a wide receiver you'll ever find in the league. Four, tutters, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Insane. It's like the Steelers just pick up wide receivers off the scrap heap and turn them into superstars. I don't understand how they do this every single year. But the Eagles, again, Carson Wentz looked very shaky. Two touchdowns, two picks. Um, again, he's throwing to a bunch of rookies and castoffs. And I think a rookie target right now is his favorite receiver i'm forgetting the name of the guy because he's literally only been playing for two weeks but if you want to help me with that i don't know what the the eagles future is in an already weak division like yeah they're only one game back of the cowboys and with the news that came from the cowboys game which we'll get to later devastating news i like the division is still in reach for the eagles but is there even a point like is carson Wentz the answer do you just move to Jalen Hurts for a couple games to kind of figure things out and see if players respond better, if the offense looks a little smoother. I don't know. Travis Fulgham is his name, I think. Right, yes. Yeah, and the Eagles' offense looks, I I mean, they, they scored 29 points. The Steelers' defense is pretty good, so I think their problems are more on the defensive side of the ball than anything because even in, in that game against uh, the 49ers, their defense looks really good, and their offense actually played pretty well. But in some earlier matchups, they just gave up a lot of points. They're like, it just fluctuates. So one 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 week is their defense that looks bad, one week is their offense that looks bad. Really confusing. I I think it's just still like wait in. I, I think Carson Wentz is going to be better than Jalen Hurts. 
in terms of an NFL ready quarterback. I, I I have some faith in Carson Wentz, but I mean it. We'll we'll see what their quarterback situation is like. The Steelers look really good though, and I think they might have a really good chance of making the wild card. I don't think they'll win that division because they got Baltimore. So again, the Steelers look pretty good. The Rams look really good, winning thirty to ten against the Washington football team. Washington football team looks pretty garbage. The Rams swept the entire NFC East, which is crazy to say, but they did that. And the Washington football team ended up starting. Uh, I keep on saying Josh Allen. It's not Josh Allen. What's he got injured? The Alex quarterback Smith? for no Alex Smith came in. No, he was the depth. second stringer. Yeah, who was the guy that started? Um, Kyle um, Allen. Kyle Allen, not Josh Allen. Kyle no, Allen. No, no, Kyle, Kyle Allen started. He got injured. So Alex Smith came in. Ended up playing, completing a pass. Not that's not the only thing he did, but he completed a pass, which is amazing. His recovery is amazing. Shout out to Alex Smith, his family. He's been through a lot, and the fact that he's on the football field again playing is something that's crazy. No, I love it because the the man literally almost died from an infection after he like broke his leg, and the first game back, and he has to deal with Aaron Donald. That just doesn't sound fun for a quarterback coming off a life threatening injury and playing his first game in nearly two years. Props to him. That's that's one of the bright spots from a pretty miserable day for the the Washington professional football team. Definitely, shout out to him and shout out to the Washington football team for. Allowing him to stay on and being with him through that journey. You know, it was a lot. And the fact that he came, you know, from the Chiefs and then all that stuff happened with Mahomes. And I'm just really glad that he's back in the league. And he's still a good quarterback, I think. And I still Mm -hmm. think he has potential. So we'll see what happens. But shout outs to Alex Smith. That game was pretty much a wash, though. Nothing much really to talk about other than to say that the Rams kind of bounced back to their miserable win against the Giants that they should have blown out, but they almost lost. But good for them. The Dolphins blew out the 49ers and that is a pun because dolphins have blowholes but 43 to 17 the 39ers that had jimmy garoppolo back when, when we when we did our pickums, I, I predicted the dolphins would win i thought they wouldn't have raheem Mostert back i thought they wouldn't have jimmy g back they had both those guys back and they played even worse than they played against the eagles and the dolphins fits magic looks look, look really good and it's hilarious that jordan howard and matt brita barely got any carries compared to uh, um, um, the Dolphins running back, Miles Gaskin. That's Miles his name. Gaskin. Got it. Yeah, Miles he looks Ga- really good. Miles Gaskin. He doesn't look really good. He looks pretty good. Former UW guy. So, shouts out to him. Yes, go Huskies. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like, Jimmy G's interception, he was just sailing throws. And that's one thing when you're a quarterback coming back from an injury your tendency is going to be, you just have a little more adrenaline. So you're going to sail throws you normally don't sail. But this was just horrendous. Like He was sub-50% completion percentage. He had no idea how the offense was running. I'm pretty sure. At least that's what it looked like. Um, the Dolphins looked pretty good. And they're, they're a feisty team. Like They don't look like they're just tanking. So I... I have hope for the Dolphins, and the Niners look more like what I thought the Dolphins were going to be this season. Definitely. And, I mean, now the question for the Dolphins is when do they put Tua in? Because the Dolphins are playing badly. They'd have no incentive to keep Fitzmagic in, but they're winning games, and they seem pretty good, and they could be second in this very competitive AFC East with the Bills and the Patriots if they hit a hot streak, right? Mm -hmm. So you never know. They probably won't make the playoffs, let's be honest. 
but they still look pretty good. So the question is, when do you put Tua in? Because Justin Herbert looks really good. Joe Burrow looks pretty good. So people are wondering, do the Dolphins make a mistake about Tua? He doesn't even get to play this year, and it's purely because of injury. Then maybe they did make a mistake. Who knows? Too early to tell. Uh, but one injury that is devastating, we have to you know give our complete thoughts and prayers to Dak Prescott. Right. Cowboys won 37-34. to It was... A big lead by the Giants, and then the Cowboys started coming back, and Dak Prescott had one of the most horrific injuries I've seen in professional sports. I think it's personally worse than what I saw with Gordon Hayward because, and this is not because I watched that Gordon Hayward clip a lot, mm-hmm. but I think Dak, Dak Prescott's injury was just as bad, but he had to snap his foot back into place himself, and Gordon Hayward didn't have to do that, and it was just crazy. But I mean, Gordon Hayward knows what it's like. He tweeted in you know support of Dak Prescott so we'll see what it's like but I mean yeah this this Cowboys team is resilient now but they have Andy Dalton leading them and I don't know what this division and what this team is going to look like anymore yeah I mean the I'm not going to compare the injuries I thought Gordon Hayward's looked just so jarring because it panned away from the injury and then when you went back you just saw his foot twisted so that's it, what it was yeah, just. That's what Dax to look, look like too. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I I guess in football, like there's just a lot more protective elements worn on the field. Yeah, so that's true. It, it's just like that the severity of an injury doesn't look as bad until they zoomed in on Dax's leg, and at that point, it was just oh my god, that looks awful. Like I noticeably yelped when I saw that play happen. Um, yeah, I hope you comes back from this a lot of people are going to talk about how he should have taken his money i think that's bs and a very retrospective take like you if if it's like a prove it year and he took the franchise tag and everything he was on pace to throw the most yards ever in nfl history so i think that's one thing he was he was the only reason the cowboys were in games so i don't know i don't i don't want to discuss that aspect too much but yeah this is rough I think if I'm ranking like sports injuries, the Kevin Ware Louisville injury is like one. That's just brutal. Actually, I forgot about that. That has to be number one. Yeah. And then probably either the Gordon Hayward one or the Paul George Team USA scrimmage injury where he he broke his leg. And then this Dak injury. Those are the three I've seen worst like live, like while watching a game. Yeah. Um, all really, really bad. So again, shouts out. So Dak Prescott, thoughts and prayers. His surgery was successful. So he had surgery that day on Sunday. And so he's recovering. So hopefully he's back next season. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it seems to be not as bad as an injury as we thought it might be. Not like an Alex Smith type life-threatening injury. Career potential ending. Not like Joe Theismann, which is good. You know, mm-hmm. we want Dak back. And so I think even the small sample size of how well he played in these four games... And I know that you didn't really want to talk about the money aspect of it, and I don't want to either, but, I mean, it kind of has to be brought up. I think he will get paid. And I think you saw how much that he, he meant to the team. You saw Zeke putting up, you know, number four when when he scored that touchdown, and just it means a lot to that team. And so, again, really hope that this franchise gets their star player back in. I don't think I'd ever be sympathetic towards Cowboys fans, but, I mean, the Dez catch and now this, it's just, you know, especially this, though. This is absolutely... It's a lot Horrific. of bad luck. Yeah, and just so. It should never happen to anyone. Uh, but on a more lighthearted note, Philip Rivers is still Philip Rivers, still throwing picks. He's thrown the most picks in his own territory, even more than Jameis Winston, which is crazy. He's thrown the third most picks since 2018. 
only uh, third to Jameis Winston, who only eats W's, and Daniel Danny Dimes Jones. So it's actually crazy. This Browns defense looks good. This Browns offense looks good. And yeah, the Colts, I mean, I thought they were supposed to be really good. They're missing a few of their weapons on offense and defense, but still, I mean, their offensive line is pretty solid. They have Jonathan Taylor. I just don't know what went wrong. Yeah, I mean, the Colts shot themselves in the foot a lot this game, and I credit a lot of that to the pressure from Miles Garrett and that Browns front. Like, Miles Garrett is probably a top three defender in the league, and last season, I think a lot of the shine of his game was taken away because of the Mason Rudolph incident where he literally beat him with a helmet on the head. So I think that took away from a lot of the defensive brilliance that he actually brings to the table for that team. So I really like what the Browns have been doing. I said before the season, it felt different than last season when I thought the Browns would be good. I thought all the pieces were really coming into play. And the biggest thing for me is that they found a way to make Odell Beckham Jr. a prominent piece in their offense instead of just one of their receivers. Like, Last game, he rushed for a touchdown. He he was involved in some trick plays with Jarvis Landry. He made himself a dynamic downfield receiving threat. And it's just more the Odell we he kind of expect instead of the one that's, I don't know, been hidden in Cleveland almost. Definitely. I, I, I agree with this. And the Browns look good. And I was definitely wrong about that. So, mea culpa. And we'll see how well they go. This is a very competitive division, though, because the Steelers the Browns, and the Ravens. The Bengals basically the only team in this division that doesn't have a playoff shot. So, I mean, this AFC wild card is starting to heat up. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Vikings, Seahawks, Vikings 26, Seahawks 27. A lot of controversy in this game. Seahawks managed to come back, and all because Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings decided to go for it on 4th and 1. And for those that are watching the YouTube, the video version of this, I'll, I'll put up this tweet, this image on the screen. You guys can see it right now. Alexander Madison had a wide open gap. I think it was the right call for them to do this. I think that he just, if he just ran right, instead he ran left, ran into the pile, got stopped. If he just ran right and just dove, they would have for sure gotten this first down and they could have extended the drive even more. But sadly, that didn't happen. Russell Wilson had enough time to go and score the touchdown and throw it to DK Metcalf. And sad loss for the Vikings. I don't think it was necessarily their fault. I mean, it was their fault. Their defense played terribly in that last drive. But if I was Mike Zimmer, I'd do that again because your offensive line had been dominating that defensive line all day. You'd been rushing all over them. Madison had a huge run before that, which what led to that, right? Madison had like a 25, 30-yard gain. Mm-hmm. And so if he just made the right cut to the right, it would have been all. It would have been game over. Yeah, because the, the gap was just wide open. Like, he just had to yeah. follow his blockers and he would have converted. Yeah, and granted, you kicked the field goal, you're up by eight, but still, eight isn't a guaranteed win because I think if you kicked a field goal at that point in time, you were up by eight. I think the Seahawks would have scored both the touchdown and the two-point conversion because we saw how easily they scored the touchdown, right? So, I mean, it's a gamble, right, to go in for that on fourth down, but you're putting your trust and your faith in your defense, and it just didn't work out. But I don't think it was necessarily a bad call. I thought this is the Vikings' most well-played game of the season, and... The fact that it came in a loss says something about how this team has been trending as of late. They started off the season terribly. I thought it was just going to be another doghouse type of year for them, but they've looked really good. I thought the offense has looked a lot better, and you're right. like it, It's a gutsy call, but it's the right call, especially when you know you're going up against a guy and a quarterback in Russell Wilson who 
you know that if he gets the ball last, he will win the game. And you you don't want you don't want to take a chance to give him an easy win. So I get I get the logistics in going for it, but it just an uh, if you made the right cut, it's it's the it's another story we're talking about, and we're talking about how the Vikings are making this late charge and how they're a team to watch moving forward. But now they're one and four, and it it doesn't feel like they're a one and four team. Yeah, and if you're a Vikings fan, you have some hope because Dalvin Cook could be coming back soon. But honestly, the coaching is not terrible, and at least you have a coach that's willing to take risks. And rather have that than the Chargers, who have a coach that isn't willing to take any risks at all. The Chargers lose a close one. What was it, twenty-seven to thirty? 27 to 30 on Monday Night Football. Uh, here's a clip of me predicting what was going to happen last week during when we were doing the two minute drill previews for this week's games. This is exactly what I predicted. Take a listen. Yeah, so I, I predicted a straight on 20 to 10 halftime lead we had, and we gave it up. And instead of what it was, it's the 38 35, I gave the Chargers too much credit. I should have realized that we would never score that many points in the second half uh yeah anthony lynn is way too conservative of a coach and i just want to point up one stat the chargers have lost 12 one score games in the last third in, in, in the last two seasons and 13 of the last 15 games the chargers have lost sorry 13 of the last 15 losses the chargers have lost by one score and it's all been with anthony lynn at the helm of the chargers even aaron Rodgers today on pat McAfee's show said there's something wrong with the chargers they have a losing culture because we keep on losing these one-score games. And so I just want to go on a quick rant here for a second as a Chargers fan wearing my Chargers jersey. Uh, the offense is simply too conservative when we're up. In both the game against, in all, in both, in all three games that we were up, we were up, up against the Chiefs, we were up against the Buccaneers, and we were up against the Saints. Once we got that lead, we were way too conservative. We had the ball with 2 minutes and 20 seconds left in the first half. In the second quarter, right before the two-minute warning, and Anthony Lynn ran a draw play on second and 15. We ended up punting the ball, and the Saints had a two-minute drive and ended up scoring a touchdown, and that's what brought it from 20-3 to to 20-10. to Then, the game was tied, 27-27. to We have the ball with two timeouts and one minute left. And the Chargers, on the first play at the 15-yard line, decide to run a draw play and get three yards and have to call a timeout. I've, I've never seen... A more pointless and stupid decision. Anthony Lynn is playing not to lose. And you suck right now. You can't not play to lose. You have to play to win the game. He got bailed out by Herbert on the last drive. He got bailed out by the Saints defense, even tying the game. Because it was third down and 10. And somehow Mike Williams was open on a busted coverage play. And just Anthony Lynn is playing to lose. And that is not the way you can coach an NFL football team. The defense, it's simply too conservative as well. Uh, the defense, Gus Bradley, runs a cover three scheme, which is a zone scheme, and that's supposed to take away the deep ball. But it's supposed to allow the receivers and the tight ends and the running backs to find these sort of soft pockets inside the zone, and it's really good for dink and dunk, right? So zone three, sorry, not zone three, cover three is a zone defense, but it relies on your defensive line being really, really good, and it relies on your linebackers and defensive backs being absolute athletes. And we saw him, Gus Bradley, have a lot of success with this cover three type of defense in Seattle with the Legion of Boom and they had a pretty good defensive line but moreover really good linebacking core with Bobby Wagner and really really great defensive backs right Cam Chancellor Richard Sherman so the athleticism could help out with that defense and then even in Jacksonville you had 
Gus Bradley being the coach there, and you had so many good defensive players, right? You had Clayus Campbell on the defensive line, Yannick Ngakwe, you had Jalen Ramsey, you had A.J. Boya, so many good defensive players. That defense was so good and so, had so many athletes. So that defense worked. That style worked. It does not work on the Chargers. The athletes on the Chargers are not that good, and you're missing your best player, number 33, Derwin James. So it just doesn't work. So I don't understand why Gus Bradley's continuing to employ this. And you saw how, like, in that two-minute drive in the first quarter, right, at the end of the first quarter, right before halftime that Drew Brees did, where he just kept on throwing, like, like it was either slants or... No, it was it just was up the it was seven-yard slants every Yeah, it was seven-yard slants or, like, seam routes. That's exactly what cover three is designed to not protect against. It's designed to protect against a big play. But still, every single game, you had Jared Cook's huge touchdown catch against the, the Chargers in that fourth quarter. And then against the Buccaneers, you had, like, what, four, three touchdown catches that were, like, 25, 30, 40 yards by the Buccaneers. So... This defense isn't doing what it's supposed to do. And then you're allowing these great, accurate quarterbacks like Breeze and Brady to dink and dunk their way down the field. It just doesn't work, right? And then the special teams. Our special teams is the worst in the NFL. It's been bottom five in the league six out of the past 10 seasons, bottom seven in eight out of the past 10 seasons. And there's a legendary video by Seeker Base, formerly SB Nation, how the Chargers had the number one offense and defense in 2010. But the reason why we didn't make the playoff was because we had the worst special teams unit of all time. I need to ask you about the field goal kicking from this game. Because I, mean, I knew I knew the minute it was going to be kicked, it was n- it, it, purely because of the spiritual nature of the Chargers organization. That kick was not going in. I mean, so my issue is the overall special teams unit. Let's talk first about the receiving unit, right? And also, like, in terms of kick returns and punt returns and also, like, the punting coverage unit and kick coverage unit. Mm-hmm. We have some of the worst starting field position in the league. The Chargers, so I'll just walk you through it, okay? The Chargers' average starting field position in week one against Cincinnati was on their own 21. The Bengals was on the Bengals 31. So 10-yard difference right there. Against the Chiefs, which is a game we almost won, it was 21-23, to 23, which was somehow lucky, right? The Chargers and the Panthers, 25-25, to 25, which is pretty great. But this is where it gets crazy. The Buccaneers, the Chargers 22 is where they started, and the Buccaneers 29 was where the Buccaneers started. And then this game against the Saints. The Chargers 19 is where we started most of our drives, and the Saints 29. It's a 10-yard difference. Our average starting field position is the 20, 20, the 22. Our opponent's average starting field position is the 28. So we give on average 6 yards per drive more with regards to field position, and we're playing against really good quarterbacks. We played against Mahomes, Breeze, and Brady, three future Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And so every single time we, re- we return the ball on the stupidest of returns, and then we, we never tackle when we punt the ball. Our punter is not the greatest, but our kicking has been absolutely garbage. This is, I think, the, the fourth or fifth kick Michael Badgley has missed. And I thought Michael Badgley was good last year. He was actually reliable last year. But, you know, this year he did not. he's not played well. And, yeah, he missed the extra point. He missed that field goal. That was a 50-yard field goal, which is you have to kick, kick a 50-yard field goal if you're an NFL kicker. It's something that you have to do. And our... Special teams is right now ranked the worst. It was ranked the worst last year. Two years ago, we were like number 27 or something. We just have the worst special teams unit in the NFL. And I think it's the biggest reason why we're losing games. And then our strength and conditioning and medical staff are also garbage, right? Because our players keep on getting injured. And if you look at our defense, our defense plays super well in the first half and just gives up everything in the second half because they're so rattled. They just cannot play for four full quarters of NFL. It's like our strength and conditioning only like thought for some reason like, we were only playing half games. I just don't understand. Our strength and conditioning coach is garbage. 
and we need to fire our medical staff. We basically need to get rid of everything. Like some teams, they get rid of their head coach and they keep their coordinators. The only person on the Chargers staff that should be kept is Pep Hamilton, a quarterbacks coach. It's because he's done a good job with Justin Herbert. Everybody else should be fired. And I regret, I eat my words about Justin Herbert pre-draft. He's really good. I ended up buying a Herbert jersey. Uh, Shouts out to Herbert. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about the Chargers. Herbert made a couple of bad throws towards the end of that game. I think he he underthrew one receiver and he threw a ball behind the receiver. But aside from those two mistakes, like th- that was the play to end the Chargers last drive where they couldn't get the fourth, where he kind of threw it behind one of his guys and they tried to get a few extra yards. But just because they spent so much energy trying to catch the ball itself, they couldn't get that turn and burst to get the first. But I thought Herbert played a, a phenomenal game overall. Um, looks like the future at quarterback tentatively um fingers crossed fingers crossed but yeah that was a tough game the saints had no business winning that game and they did but a team that really really took care of business after a really chaotic week in general was the tennessee titans and they beat the buffalo bills 42 to 16 which was a drubbing like they blew them out and the one famous well i think it will be famous the crazy twitter play that came out of this game was derrick henry stiff arming josh norman and for me i love this because i always think of josh norman as just this guy who just talks way too much there's like a a very there's a very telling duel on youtube between him and odell beckham back when beckham was on the giants where those two at this time josh norman was on the panthers those two are just going at it every single play there's penalties pretty much every play that aren't called between the two they're just fighting basically going one-on-one and you know this is josh norman this is one of his first games for the bills i think i think it's the second game since big since being activated and he he should retire the same way vontae davis just retired in the middle of a bills game a couple years back and that's what people on twitter were saying yeah yeah i, I know I, I thought it was the perfect comparison like it's just that is a career ending stiff arm from derrick henry but ryan Tannehill has been really really good like i think there was a stat comparing the passing touchdowns with him and lamar jackson and from last year and this season they both have 36 touchdowns i think Tannehill has four picks jackson has three or it's flipped like that or something like that but Ryan Tannehill has been worth every single penny of that contract extension. So I think the Titans did run into something nice with Rabel, Tannehill, and just building a team around that, along with the power run game of Derrick Henry, which is unquestionably a top four, top five running game in the NFL. So I think they're set up well for their future. Definitely. Yeah, it was a good game. Shouts out to the to the Titans. The Bills did not look good, and I think the reason for that is the absence of John Brown. John mm-hmm. Brown, a really key receiver, speedy, so you have to have that safety cover him over the top. And I think without him, we saw that receiving core, which is pretty good. Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs, they played well, but Josh Allen, you know, one of the interceptions wasn't really his fault. And then just, I mean, you could really see that they needed John Brown. So a desperately needed win by the Titans in terms of morale. And you saw the Titans saying all the stuff about how they were the underdogs and how people doubted them and whatever and... I think it's kind of BS because, I mean, the commissioner in the NFL said they did nothing wrong, but I still think they had to have done something wrong to get that COVID outbreak inside their facility. And it's just, I don't think you can talk trash and say you're the underdog like that. I think that this game was honestly harder on the Bills because they didn't know who they were playing. Right. Right. So difficult, but yeah, that, that wraps up a really, really good week five in the NFL.
Now moving on to, to week six in the NFL, we have some great matchups starting off. Uh, there is no Thursday night football because of the scheduling changes and stuff. So we have to start off on Sunday. Texans, Titans. I have the Titans winning this one. I think the Titans will easily take this one. They seem to be on a roll. Although they just played on Tuesday, I think the Texans are still really beat up. And I don't think the Texans are going to be able to pull this one through. This feels very trap gamey, so I'm going to go Texans. Wow. Okay. Ravens, Eagles. Easy money win for the Ravens. But you you never know. Maybe the Eagles play really well against good teams. No, the Eagles don't play well against anybody. Baltimore is going to win. Falcons, Vikings. This is the trap game of all trap games because this seems like a game that the Falcons really could win. It really depends on whether Dalvin Cook is playing or not. I still think the Vikings are going to pull this one through. But it's like bad coaching versus bad coaching. So you never know. We're calling this a trap game and the Vikings are 1-4 and four and the Falcons are 0-5. This is just a bad game with... Oh, yeah, I'm not betting on the Falcons. I'm, I'm, I told you, I'm going Minnesota. This is a difficult matchup now. The Browns and the Steelers, mm-hmm. two really good teams, two division rivals. Uh, I mean, it's just a really, really close game. And so it's tough for me. I'm going to... If you I'm go gonna Steelers, to, I'm going to go Browns. Yeah, I'm going to have to go Steelers. I just yeah. don't trust the Browns. I'm going to pick against the Browns almost all the time. So No, I think this year's Cleveland team is different. Bengals versus Colts. I'm going to have to go with the Colts. Again, I, I put my faith in them in the beginning. I think this defense is a little bit too good for Joe Burrow. Yeah, the Colts defense has been shining this season, but this also feels like one of the few games the Bengals can actually win, but I'm still going Indy. Another difficult game to choose, the Jaguars and Lions. This is really tricky for me. I'm going to have to go with the Jaguars, but I might be wrong here. What if Matt Patricia pulls something over us? No, I'm going to go with the Lions because their their team has looked much more competent as of late. Bears-Panthers, again, another tricky one. This is like a, the matchup of or the week of tricky matchups. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with... This is really, I'm going to have to go with the Bears, man. I mean, I just think their defense is, is better. But the, the Teddy Bridgewater... And the uh, the Panthers look really good. Yeah, the Panthers have been playing some inspired football, and I I trust Teddy Bridgewater just a little more than Nick Foles. So I'm going to go Panthers. Yeah, really, really difficult one there. Washington football team versus Giants. Another tough oh one. I keep on saying gosh. that, but these matchups are so even, honestly. I'm going to have to go with the Giants. Yeah, this is just an evenly terrible matchup. I'm going to go Washington because I think the morale boost of having Alex Smith back is just another dimension to that team. Jets, Dolphins, I think this one's easy when you win by the Dolphins. I don't think the Jets get their first win when seeing how the Dolphins demolish the 49ers. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are just a little more of a good-bad team than what the Jets are. We get a Brady-Breeze matchup here. Well, not Brady-Breeze, sorry, Brady-Rogers matchup here between the Bucks and the Packers. Packers undefeated. I'm going with the Packers here. I think the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are playing really well. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this game, but I think they will win this game. Yeah, I think it would be an impressive win if the Bucks win and just like a we-took-care-of-business win if the Packers win. So I'm going to go Green Bay. Rams 49ers, a matchup that should be more hyped, but sadly is not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the Rams because I think the 49ers are really struggling right now. Yes, the, the 29ers are now kind of a joke. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go L.A. Chiefs-Bills, Chiefs-Bills at 2 p.m. Pacific time. On Monday, a really weirdly timed game. I'm confused as to why they're playing on Monday. Uh, and the Bills have a lot of... Sorry, the Chiefs have a lot of rest. They just played Thursday Night Football. 
Or no, they didn't. Never mind. That was two weeks ago. The, the Bills have the sorry. The Chiefs have regular rest. The Bills have very little rest. Yeah, because the Bills play Tuesday. Yeah, but like the Titans have even less rest, right? Because the yeah. Titans played on Tuesday. They're playing on Sunday. So crazy weird timing. I'm gonna have to go. This is a close matchup again. Uh, I mean, we'll see if. I don't know. I I think the Chiefs because I thought the Bills defense was good, but then I saw how the Titans demolished that defense. So I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs here. This could. This has the potential to be a very Kind of what we expected the Lamar Jackson-Patrick Mahomes duel to be. I think this has that type of potential with the way Josh Allen's been playing this season. I think this is... Right now, I think Russell Wilson's the MVP, but I think this game can solidify who's second. Yeah, it's a very interesting game. Uh, Cardinals-Cowboys. Uh, that's going to be on ESPN. The other game is essentially that there's an F football game that's supposed to be on Monday night now. Cardinals-Cowboys. I'm going with Cardinals. I just don't think... The, the Cowboys' defense is good enough to stop Kyler Murray. Is Andy Dalton the best QB in the NFC East? <laughs> yes. Better than Wentz? Yeah, I like I like Dalton better than Wentz. I, right now, I think Wentz is better overall, but Dalton seemed to have a decent game. Yeah, I'm going to go Cardinals. I just think they have... Oh, wait. Actually, well, with Chandler Jones out, their defense could take some sort of fallback. Um I don't really know. I'll just go Arizona for now. But I think our last game is Broncos Patriots, which I don't think we got to. We did. We we. Oh no, I missed that one completely. My bad. Yeah, Broncos Patriots. Sorry, I was. I completely glossed over that one. Broncos Patriots. I have the Patriots winning this one. Is Cam back? Cam's off the COVID nineteen list, as okay. I most recently saw. So at this point, COVID is just like a one to two week like break for the quarterbacks. I mean, it depends. Yeah, he's going to rejoin the team after COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? These athletes, some of the athletes are really in prime condition so they can fight COVID off easily. I, if the lineman gets it, it really depends, right? So you never know. Well, I hope his conditioning is good because he runs a lot as a quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see how that causes him any problems. But Drew Locke is back in practicing. So I think the Broncos are getting closer to full strength too. Yeah, I think the Patriots take this though. So. Yeah. I mean, going to be an exciting week six. A lot of even matchups. Again, Brady Rogers is going to be good. Mahomes versus Josh Allen going to be good. Uh, Bears-Panthers, I think, going to be a good game. Falcons-Vikings going to be a bad, good game. Brown-Steelers is going to be a really good game. So lots of even matchups throughout the league. Some close calls. It's going to be exciting. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to this episode of Locked In Podcast. We appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram, podcast.lockedin, to see our weekly NFL picks. You're hearing them right now, but this is just to see who won every single week. We were tied this week, 10-4. and four. I'm leading the season series, I guess, by one or two games. So it's, it's close. Maybe this week could bring Aditya, bring Shree back into the mix. You never know. Yeah, I got to get some upsets going. I need some, some Panthers action. I need the Browns to beat the Steelers. Just a, a couple of basic things I'm asking for for my teams this week. But all in all, should be a great week of football. Hopefully no Raiders, no, no Chargers. So no, yeah, we can, yeah, we can actually enjoy some of the other teams for once. But yeah, yeah that's about it, I guess, right? Yeah, so. I mean, stay tuned on our website. I have a blog post coming up of the similarities between the uh, UT Austin, the Texas football team, and the Chargers. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities. So have a blog post coming about that. Check our, our website. We have another, I have another blog post out about the Chargers. www.lockedinpod.com. Sure, you have anything else to say? Um, yes, you all will be great Chargers fans by the end of this podcast. That That's all I have to say. And as always, stay safe, wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace.